up, everybody. You're now at your favorite stop for all things sports, politics, and culture. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey, a production of ThatCast Network. Hey, now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I'm your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here once again in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon at the Living the Dream Studios. And I got my guy D-Boy alongside me again today. What's going on, D-Boy? What's going on with it, man? How you feeling today? That's the real question. Uh, How you doing? I don't know, man. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. This podcast might be a little short. <laughs> yeah, man. You might be on it a might couple be a of pain short. It might be a little short and to the point today. Tell them real but, quick um, what you did, man. What yes. were you referring to? So, with your last night. <laughs> last OG. night. I went out and played some basketball. Uh, many of you know that I have a pretty good pass with that sport. Um, I've dealt with a lot of injuries here and there just because when you play to the level that I was fortunate enough to play at, you tend to get injured from time to time. But you know what? Those days of healing real fast and all of that good stuff and just being able to bounce right back up and go out and play, they might not be the same anymore. So last night I was playing and my first game back in the league that I play in over at, Bill, at Villa Sport in Beaverton. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I probably had about 26 points or so, 26 to 28 points. I was balling. I felt like the old me. And then there was. You're right. You didn't feel like the old <laughs> and me. And then there was. I come down. I'm in an ISO situation. I do what I do. Hit him with a little bit of an in-and-out dribble. Had him. Sold. He thought I was going to the middle of the paint. As soon as I had him sold to go to the middle of the paint, I hit him with a nice spinoff for an easy layup. It was smooth. It was silky smooth. So after that, I lay it up. I hobble one time, and I go to run back down court. And it felt like what was a punch or a kick right to my calf muscle. And so I look back. (laughs) No one's home. who, Who was that? I look back to see who it was. Nobody was there. I take one more step, and I was stuck. Couldn't move, couldn't walk. I I was stuck. I was done for the day. And so uh, last night, couldn't really walk. This morning, still couldn't really put too much weight on the calf. Went to the doctor to find out what it was to make sure it wasn't a tear because I 100% felt that pop. Like I said, it felt like a kick or a punch, but nonetheless, it was different than anything else I've ever felt before. Well, I've had a dislocated finger before. That was different too, but this feeling in, in my lower half of my body was different than anything I'd ever felt before. And so it ended up being just a really intense strain. I still can't really walk, still can't put too much weight on the leg. But if any of you watched the Warriors and Rockets game and you saw the injury that happened to Kevin Durant in tonight's game, it was the exact same thing. If you replay and watch Kevin Durant's injury after it happened, and he had just made a shot too because we get buckets. I mean, that's just how things kind of work. But anywho, he had just made a shot too. And when he felt the injury, he looked back as well thinking that it was somebody there. And no one was home. So it honestly made me feel a little bit better. (laughs) Obviously, I don't wish injury on Kevin Durant especially, but it made me feel a little bit better because last night and today I've been feeling real old as if maybe this happened because I'm just no longer in basketball shape. I am getting old. 
But then to see it happen to an elite guy like Kevin Durant, it was like, I mean, well, yeah, I did have 26 points, so I was still kind of in my bag. So y'all can try and age me if y'all want to I'm on behalf of the injury. I'm aging it. But I was still in my bag. So was Kevin Durant. But now hopefully he gets better. Like I said, I hopefully definitely you get better. I definitely can't walk really on this leg right now. I'm on crutches. But um, yeah, that's what happened last night. <laughs> but anywho, let's get to some content. Um, and first off, I want to start off with the organization that I work for, and that is Street Roots. Many of you have heard me on this podcast time and again to refer to some of the work that I do there. Um, our mission is to create income opportunities for people experiencing homelessness and poverty by producing a newspaper and other media that are catalysts for individual and social change. So that's what we're all about. If you just haven't really heard or don't remember me ever talking about it here on the podcast, or you could be a first time listener and that's okay too. Um, but back in March, it was about mid March. Um, our senior staff reporter, her name is Emily green. Um, she wrote a phenomenal article. It was a special article on our, on our behalf and it was called the Portland street response. Um, basically because there's many statistics around, um, homelessness and arrest here in the state, in the city of Portland, in the in the uh, Multnomah County, especially. There's plenty of statistics that aren't in favor of homelessness or homeless folks when it comes to them being arrested by the police. Mm -hmm. And so Emily Green, she laid out a phenomenal street response to where when issues are happening with homeless folks, the police aren't the first responders because usually when they get there, it just leads to a bad situation. Like I said, I think um, it was 51% in 2017 of the folks arrested in Multnomah County were homeless. Um, and I think only about half of that were like criminal. Um, a lot of it was more so disturbing the peace, things, trespassing, things of that sort. But as far as criminal, only half of those um, were that. So she came out, laid it out beautifully, um, laid out how it could be budgeted, how it could be paid for, what the plan would be, um, who would be over the plan, who would be executing the plan. It was just beautifully laid out. So the last couple of months, our organization and our vendors at the organization have been championing this street response. Right. Um, obviously, for those of you that live here in Portland, you know that um, we the budget was released last week. Um, through the city of Portland, the mayor released a budget for the city, and we were definitely championing this street response leading up to the announcements of the budget. And huge, huge credit to Emily, but really just for our organization as a whole, um, we got to see some success come out of that Portland street response and us championing it as the mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler. Um, I think he a lot, well, I know he allotted a half a million dollars. Um, to the Portland Street response. Yeah, we'll give it a clap it up here. We'll give it a clap it up. Yeah, a half a million dollars in the budget draft um, was allotted to go to this Portland Street response. So that's really huge news. Um, that's a big accomplishment. And it's really interesting to me because um, the day that I found out that this was going to be, I actually had a meeting at City Hall with some of the mayor's staff members because this past Monday, the mayor came into the office um, to speak with some of our vendors. 
Um, I'm not going to get in too deep about what was discussed because the mayor is going to be writing a column about it, but it did happen. And since I am the vendor program manager at Street Roots, I played a significant part in planning and mapping the entire thing out um, for this to take place and for it to have a foundation so things didn't go all over the place. But that was a success as well. So the day that the budgets were announced, I had a meeting with some of this, uh, the mayor's staff members about this past Monday where he'd meet with our vendors. And it was really interesting because we got to talk to them a bit and they didn't tell us much about it, but um, it was a sense of excitement in the, in the mayor's office about it, especially knowing how much we had to do with it. And then you go to some of the city commissioner's offices and there was excitement all, the, all around. Everybody was happy that it was happening. But to see um, the passion that folks had surrounding it, whether it was through excitement, whether it was through wanting more, because obviously a half a million is a good start. But that's not to say that more is not going to be needed to make this the true success that it can be and that other cities have kind of used and have had success there as well. Um, you just have folks that really cared about the entire situation. So it was interesting, the dynamics in which they cared. Like I said, some were happy, some wanted more money, some wanted to just make sure things were going to happen the right way now that this had been announced. But nonetheless, the excitement was there. So I got to give a huge shout out to my organization, Street Roots. It's a pleasure to work there. The work that I do every day is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and like I said, again, big shout out to Emily Green for reporting that. Yeah, that sounds like a big step in the right direction. And obviously a nice... A nice kickstart. Absolutely. Amount, you know, absolutely. In, in retrospect, that's good. You know, half yeah. a million. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's just been really interesting, man. Like I said, just being surrounded around these politics. Um, we do much more than that. We, re we recently worked with the uh, Portland Housing Bureau and the Metropolitan Public Defender's Office to do some expungement pilot work with the vendors to help clear their records so that they obviously can get approved for jobs and housing and things of that sort. So to really be working with the city to so, really push to try to create this change is just, a lot of fun, and I'm learning a whole lot in the process of it. Just for my personal, like, wanting to know, as well as I'm sure people who don't know the backstory or the the significance of the homeless people in Portland, what is the primary goal or objective, I guess, with not only this funding, but just period, with this street roots and everything? Is it is it like more of a, is the goal to get more housing for them? Is it to try to rebuild them as far as uh, employment? Like what is the primary Focus to what are people targeting right now to minimize as, this problem as far as the homelessness in general or in the street response the home the homelessness in general oh it's it's a lot it's a lot um because every it's case by case for a lot of folks I mean you got some folks but the street that, no the street response the street that's response what the, okay that's what the money so yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. with yeah. the street response I mean for one like I said we just did an expungement pilot to get stuff wiped off of folks' criminal records so that they can get approved for housing and they can at least um, be able to have another foot forward in the process of trying to get housing. But it's a lot of things. You got some folks that are dealing with mental illnesses. Um, there's a lot of trauma surrounding homeless folks in the police. I would say that we deal with certain traumas when it comes to the police as well as African-American men. Some of them are different uh, as far as 
us as a community and kind of the homeless community. But nonetheless, trauma does exist there. Um, like I said, when you see that big of an amount of people in a certain community in a pretty big market <laughs> here in the city of Portland right. being arrested, that itself should be quite alarming to how these people are treated necessarily. Mm -hmm. And there has to be some reasoning behind that. I mean, more than 50% of the folks that were arrested people being homeless in a big city like this, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. And so, um, like I said, there's really a plethora of reasons. Right. Um, I just didn't know if it was one that stood out, you know, more so than, uh, like, you know. I, I think I, those sure arrests, I think those arrest numbers stand yeah. out the most. Okay. I think, for me personally, that's kind of the way I'm looking at, looking at it. Like, you have this amount of people a part of this community getting arrested. Like, that's a lot. And that needs to change. I don't care what community it is. All right. That, that needs sense. to change. So, for me, it's the, the statistic of how many folks get arrested. And obviously, if they're already homeless, you're you're kicking them while they're already down. Right. Because that's not going to help them because to be able to get one, a job and get approved. by them or you dehumanize them, them or right. all of that. Right. All right. right. So, you're already kicking folks while they're down. I Understood. think that's really probably the most important part. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I just really appreciate the work that we're doing. So shout out to our organization. I had to talk about that here before I dig into these NBA playoffs. But next up, that's exactly what we want. That, that's exactly what we want to talk about next. <laughs> that's what we're talking about next is the NBA playoffs. So keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. NBA playoffs. NBA playoffs. It's going up. It's going up, man. No I LeBron? I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah, I've seen your tweet. I'm enjoying it a lot without LeBron. In particular, what... Like, what made you say that in particular? I got to ask before we dive deeper, because like I said, I've seen the tweet. What made you specifically say, it's almost like you targeted him to say you didn't enjoy it that much with him in there. Or no, 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 no. Or you especially enjoyed it without him. Like, no, no, what no. made you single him out? That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, what I was pretty much saying, first off, the Eastern Conference, um, the... And really just the playoffs as a whole, it's the storylines, I think, that are surrounding the playoffs. Usually when LeBron's there, it's all about LeBron. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Do you but think so? When LeBron's in the playoffs, is it all about him? Yeah, he went to eight straight finals. <laughs> like, it's LeBron. is the most hyped dude coming into the league. Then he comes and dominates, in the East at least, um, he comes and dominates the Eastern Conference for a decade. <laughs> like, mm. I think, like, a lot of the storylines when it comes to the playoffs, I mean, when you go to the playoffs eight straight times, you already know pretty much after four or five, it's like, okay, you know what's going to happen during this part of the year. And I'm not knocking LeBron for that. But I think there's a lot of good players out there that don't get the recognition that they deserve, that are getting it now, that are 100% elite. Um, I, I like that. Like I said, I like the new blood in the playoffs, really. And I like seeing teams advance like the Bucks, and seeing what the Raptors and Philly have going on and like seeing these other teams thrive in the Eastern Conference especially right. that didn't necessarily thrive when LeBron was there. And like I said, credit to LeBron for that. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I was just wondering because, like I said, you singled him out, and I don't feel like it's a. I don't feel like he singled out as like it's just the LeBron show when he's in the playoffs. I think definitely 
being arguably the best player in the world, he's held at a high standard. But I don't think it's a LeBron show. I think we do respect the playoffs as it is. It's a lot of good players out there now. And so I just wanted to know why you particularly tweeted that. But you gave me your explanation. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, but like I said, starting with the games tonight, you had the Warriors and the Rockets. The Warriors got them 3-2. Like I mentioned earlier, obviously KD got hurt. I think his his injury ended up being a calf strain, similar to what my injury was. Like I said, the same exact thing happened to him that happened to me. But right. how, do you, how do you think that changes the dynamic of this series it's if over. he doesn't series return? over. It's still cool. Over. Even with the Warriors up 3-2? What I'm saying is, I say the Warriors is oh, still... Oh, it's still over that the Warriors are going to yeah, win the series. Yeah, the Warriors, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's over. The Warriors got it wrapped in the bag, and they show flashes of that toward the end of the game without him. I mean, that's typical Warrior ball. It's too many threats. It's too many weapons. It's too much camaraderie. It's too much experience. All of that. It's just, yeah. I don't think... I think, obviously, he helps the situation, and he could carry the team, you know, on any given night when people like Clay or Steph might be struggling, but they can... Clay, Steph, Draymond, any of them could click at any Iggy. given time. Iggy, and there's so many role players, like you said. In addition to the, well, it's the, not that many role players. When I say role players, <laughs> when I say role players, I look at a person like Draymond and Iggy as role players. And what I mean, they're not the superstars of the team, but they play dominant roles. We expecting Draymond to be Draymond, and it's a role that he plays. So when I, I'm loosely using the term, because I'm not talking about like. Coming off the bench role players, I think Warriors really have some starters that are role players. You know what role they're playing, whether Draymond be the getting people ahead. And is Draymond talk. Green a star? Draymond Green is a star, and he's still a role player. You can be a role-playing star. That's why I say I don't want, <laughs> I don't want it to I'm be misconstrued because yeah. role-player is often... Role-player is often used as like a not... Not as good of a player, but what I'm saying, Draymond is a star because he's a, he excels greatly at what he's good at. We still know Draymond has some flaws in his game. I wouldn't say he's the greatest basketball player, but he's a star. He still could, when he shoot the ball, I still assume it's going to be a brick for real. But he plays the hustle game. You know you're going to get the, the shit talking. You know you're going to get the, the hustle. It's like a, I wouldn't say Dennis Rodman was the best basketball player, but he was a star. He was known in the league for hustling, chasing down rebounds, diving out of bounds with his head into the camera. No, for sure. I so get you. I, think, I, I, just I just wonder, are those role I think players? It's just, I think role players are, are, are loosely used with, like, people who aren't as good as stars. But I think you can be a star and a role player all for right, real. All right, and all I think right, Iggy I is that. Because Iggy was a star on the 76ers. He was a franchise player, for real. I think he's pretty far removed from that, though. I'm, no, I'm like, I know that, like but I'm in just comparison saying. to Draymond. Yes, I would say Iggy is more of a role player because he's far enough removed right. from his days of being a star. No, I don't I get think it, Draymond. I mean, is that I think far Draymond removed. ain't gonna be a franchise player nowhere ever in his career. Is no, what for I'm sure. saying. So just to flip that I on mean, the flip I don't know side, if Iggy is a franchise player. He was at the, on the 76ers. That's what they. So this the best. No, no, no. So my question now would be: Is if you're the best player on your team, does that mean you're a franchise player? I think that's another conversation you could really get into yeah, because nah. I don't think Iggy was nah. ever looked at as a franchise player although he, he was, was the best player the, yeah. on his team at yeah, one I mean, point I, time. I thought they were going I thought they were going to try to build around Andre Iguodala earlier in his career like you said he's far removed but I think at, at one point in time he we thought he I mean he was the face of the six when I say franchise yeah, he was the face of the 76ers yeah, I, I just I just 
I'm just curious because, like I said, I usually look at it as a when I say franchise player, I'm thinking face because because I feel like you could be the best player on a team but not be a franchise player. Give me an example, Monte Ellis. When no, he no, no. Give me a current example. You think if you had to use something like right now in today's basketball, um, like Lou Williams, Lou Williams, Lou Williams on the Clippers. To me, Lou Williams is the best player on the Clippers. Six man, though. I don't think he's a franchise player. He's not a star. But he's the, and, saying, and they're a playoff like team. A star. Well, Lou Williams, tell- I think, is I mean, Lou Williams is a star. My if Dre, I put it to you this way: if Draymond's a star, Lou Williams is a star. To me, I disagree. But yeah, all right, for sure. To me, I to disagree. Me. Draymond I, have played a lot more experience, a lot more big games, a lot more. I don't know. On the Lou pedestal. Williams been doing it for a long time. Nah. I do agree that Draymond, he, he, Draymond plays been, for the Warriors. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But it's, but that's part of the stardom. But I don't know. Lou Williams is a dog, and it's been a dog for a long time now. When I league. think star, I think of more than just athleticism. I no, think no, Lou Williams whole, is a bucket. He no, got that's what game. I'm I'm, no, I'm just saying. That's oh. what I mean. I think more than just game. When the elements that you said, him being on the Warriors, him having more. Yeah, no, that, no, no. Draymond's definitely a lot more of a household that's name. Exactly. I'm just talking about from a star. pure basketball perspective. Well, you didn't say that. Well, you that's what, what we're talking basketball. He's a star. He's a star. Yeah, is he a star? Well, let me be. Is he a star basketball? I mean, but you get what I'm saying, right? It's a lot of elements that make you a star. And I I think of more than just the single facet of him being a good basketball player. He's a a star. He excels at the things he's good at in basketball. So I would say yes. He's not a superstar. But that's basketball then. I mean, I'm saying I I use more than just basketball as my answer. But even in basketball, I would still classify him as that because the things that he does well, he does very well. Yeah, well, like I said, as far as a player in the league, maybe you know who I'll even say. I don't think Kemba Walker is. I don't think Kemba Walker's. I don't think Kemba Walker's a franchise player. I think he's a really good player. He's a star, but I don't think the Hornets' future is surrounded by Kemba Walker. I don't even think about Kemba Walker when I think about the Hornets. But Kemba Walker is that man. He's an all star, so that's all I'm saying. If you ask, but that's my point. That's what. But that's my point that I'm making is that you can be a star and not be a franchise player. I think Iggy was that guy once in his career. Like I said, Monte Ellis, I think that's another example example of somebody who was the best player on the Golden State Warriors for some years. And once Steph Curry sure and Clay was, and those I'm guys sure got drafted. He was a franchise player. They tried to build no, around No, they got Ellis, rid of him but they when tried they drafted to build, Steph. They tried to build around him. He had some time I don't there. Think that, I don't think that's building. I think that, yeah, you make moves, but I don't think that's the guy you build around they as try, far as I think so. the I future. Think I'm talking to. about as far as the future of your organization. I don't think they, they had it. was that guy. I don't think so. I don't think so. I disagree um, I don't think he. I don't think Monte Ellis was ever a franchise player. But um, next series, Giannis, man. It's a rap. The Greek freak. It's a rap. The Greek freak. And he gonna give whoever uh, next problems too. Kawhi Leonard, I think it's gonna be, but it's whoever he wins give that Kawhi series. Kawhi Leonard problems. He's a monster. He gonna give Kawhi problems. A, is he better than LeBron was he's at twenty four years he's old? He's winning the next series. Did you hear what I just asked he's you? He's winning the next series. Is he better than LeBron when LeBron was twenty four years old? Was the question that I asked you? Can you give that to him yet? No. What if he wins MVP this year? No. I don't know, man. And the reason why I made that comparison, it was it's kind of like how we often compare Mike and Kobe because they had similar style of games. Regardless, you say Kobe got it from Mike, but their games were very similar and they're comparable in that sense. 
Obviously, when LeBron was a young 24-year-old, we've never seen a specimen like LeBron James at that time. Like, he's a freak of nature. His size, his build, his speed, all of that combined, we'd never seen before. And that moment comes only once every blue moon. And we're living in that moment right now with Giannis Antetokounmpo. So I think they're very comparable in that sense. And I would have to say that I think that Giannis is more physically gifted than LeBron was at 24 years old right now. A lot of it having to do with him obviously being as gifted as he is physically, but I think the feature that stands out is that he's 6'10". I, still, I just think <laughs> still six. LeBron is another high, 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 extremely high basketball IQ. And that's one thing I don't want to forget. I think he just did. LeBron at 24 still just had more of the spunk that went along with the game, just the passing, the different elements that LeBron brought. I think definitely. Giannis I think he's is, more well-rounded, if that's and, what you're but saying. But that's what I. That's kind but, of what. But made, but what but makes it's me but to me okay. But age. to me, it's the Shaq and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar since where Shaq was the most dominant center ever. But Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was known for his skill set, the sky hook. He's the all-time leading scorer ever. But I think that. You can kind of compare that, those two, in a sense where Shaq was known for his dominance, for his force. You're hearing Shaq right now saying that Giannis is the new Superman. So in that sense, knowing that you have a guy that dominant like Giannis is saying, or that like Shaq is saying Giannis is, and you think about LeBron in the sense of somebody like a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who had the most dominant hook shot and, and thrived off of his skill set, it's, it's all about which one you want more. Do you want Shaq or do you want Kareem? I'm taking LeBron. I think I'm taking Giannis. I think I'm safe I, after, I, I, after LeBron career. I think I'm safe. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's an that's easy way out. I, think I'm, no, I mean, <laughs> that's an easy true, out. It's the truth. I, that's an easy. I, and I, I could be I'm having some, off, and I could be but, having some recency bias, but, but I mean, saying, I don't think I'm too way, crazy after what I'm seeing right now. We can't tell the future, but you could be way. Giannis could surpass everything that LeBron did when it's all said. At, uh, no, no, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean, so for sure. That's why I said. That's why I said at 24. Because if we start to get into the more the depths of the yeah, career, that's, that's why that's I think, a great debate. Yeah, that's that's yeah. something different. But yeah, I think Giannis has the potential to be better than anybody we've ever seen, especially if he gets Ooh, a consistent jump shot. Anybody we've ever anybody seen? we've ever seen. And because here's the thing, like Ooh, I said, what we, y'all think? Athletically, listeners? we've never seen anything, anything like him. Anybody we've ever seen? Athletically, we've never Ooh. seen anything like him. And like I said, if he gets that jump shot, Ooh. he'll be similar to Kevin Durant, and he's like a mixture if he gets a jump shot he's a combination of kevin durant and lebron james that's what i'm saying because he has the height of kevin durant and he has the physique and the physique and the build of a lebron james that can turn out to be the greatest we've ever seen hey man <laughs> blazers what's, what's gonna happen Rip, or denver what's gonna happen mr rip city <laughs> <laughs> I want your opinion first before we hear. Oh, Blazers are gonna win Game Six. I don't know if they win Game Seven. Um, I just think they're due for a really good game. I think the last three games, I would go as far as saying you had the four overtime game, you had um, the game where they lost here in Portland uh, in Game Four. The Blazers lost here in Portland. And then obviously you had an atrocious game here in game five that took place in Denver. 
Um, I don't think even in the four overtime game, I think they showed a lot of fight and a lot of grit. Don't necessarily think they played well as a unit. Um, but I don't think Denver necessarily played well in that game either. But I think the Blazers are due for a game to explode. And the fact that they're playing at home, I think, plays a huge role in that. I think Dame is primed for an explosion game because he has – he's. I mean, Dame's unstoppable. He's just an unstoppable force in this league. That's it. That's all. But he hasn't necessarily been the most efficient as of late in this Denver series. I think Jokic has actually been the best player in this series if we had to come down to that. And coming into the series, coming into the series, I thought Dame would be the best player in this series. So I'm still confident that he can have a big game six. Portland can explode here on their home floor. And I think that Denver's young enough to where – Portland can get that by them, but I do think ultimately a seven, Denver probably takes it at this point. I wouldn't say you're right about game six, but I'm going to be honest. Mr. Rip City is not sold on, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not sold on the game six victory. And the reason I say that is because I, I'm i strong on intuitions and feelings and blah, blah, blah. And I was in the atmosphere for game four. That was Sunday, correct? That was the game to win. I think Blazers let that slip away. They played poor. Damian Lillard missed about four free throws late yeah, in the he, game. Yeah, he did. Um, and at home, just it was an earlier game. It was a 4 o'clock game Sunday. Might have been Cinco de Mayo. It at least Cinco, Cinco de, de Mayo. Mayo weekend. It was definitely it was, Cinco de Mayo. It, it was just a Cinco great de atmosphere after, <laughs> out there. And I just expected them to pull it out, and I think it would have put them in so much of a better position. Well, yeah, obviously. So, so following up with another loss on the road, I think— An ass-whooping on yeah, the road. I think the Blazers are streaky at times. and uh, When like they slump, they slump. That, huh? That's how I feel. They, yeah. they, they get to rolling and they roll, but when they slump, they slump. And I think this is one of those harder teams that they're facing matchup-wise than to just be like— all right, we're going to turn it on and beat these guys. It's like Murray is balling, man. Hey, Jokic is balling, man. I said it it's here on this podcast. And, and I, I hope you're right, but I'm just not sold. I think yeah. I think, I think think they have to play close to perfect to, to pull this out tomorrow. Yeah, and I said it here on this podcast. At the beginning of the season, we made predictions here on this podcast of who would win individual NBA awards. Obviously, we ain't going to find out till late June. But what I did say when it came to the most improved player award, Jamal, Jamal Murray. Murray. He did. It's written his Jamal song. Murray. Not saying he's going to win the award either, but I'm just glad that he's showing why I chose Jamal Murray. Because to me, he has Kobe-like confidence. And don't take that out of proportion and act like I'm saying some craziness in comparing the two. Um, obviously, obviously when it comes to his game, yeah, it's different, but he has, yeah. And that support that goes into kind of the confidence realm. He's very composed. He's very smooth. He's very tactical about what he does and he knows he can do it. He knows he can make the big shots. He knows he can make the big free throws. He's confident in everything he does on the floor and flat out. I think he's just fearless. And if he does have a bad game, I usually, 
kind of pin that more towards him being young rather than him not being ready or being able or being inconsistent. The dude can flat out ball. He's got crazy confidence. He's only in his third year in the league, and I'm looking forward to what he does throughout the rest of his career. Um, that, what series we haven't talked about yet? Kawhi Leonard, um, Toronto Raptors up 3-2 over the Philadelphia 76ers. How you feeling about oh, that series? We, we already talked about what Giannis is going to do to Kawhi. So kind of we did make the yeah, assumption I think Kawhi that, wins that, series. that, you know, Kawhi wins that series. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I don't think Philly beats them twice in a row. Yeah, that Philly, going Philly, down three, two to struggle. I think After they got the two, firepower, two, but I went two, two. I'm like, Ooh, okay. But nah. Yeah. I think they got the firepower to do it. Two, two, right. Who? Or Philly was up three, one. Philly was up two, one, two, one. Yeah. And when then it went Kawhi up two, ran one, off yeah, two okay. straight. Yeah, see, yeah, that, Kawhi, that right, but yeah. that's and that's what I was getting ready to say. Philly, I think, has the firepower to do it if anybody, but I don't think we've ever seen consistency in Philly. Like I said, we've seen them explode in game three when they won by 30 some odd points, but I just don't see them being able to beat Kawhi twice in a row, even though I guess they already did it in this series. <laughs> Um, but not at this point in the series. They did it early in the series. They won game two and game three. But I don't think they win game six and game seven. Like you said, especially having gone ahead two to one and now dropping back down three to two. Um, I, I just don't see it happening for them over there. So what's the final? Who's going to be in the finals? Who The actual finals, not conference the finals. The NBA finals? Yeah, who's going to be in the NBA finals? Hot take, hot take. I think... When I made those same predictions early on, I said Toronto, did I, or did I say the Celtics? I might have said the Celtics. Who I think you said boofed. the Celtics. But I think, oh, I said Kawhi would win MVP. Ooh. And because I said Kawhi would, would win MVP, that means that the Raptors had to have an amazing year this year. And although the MVP award is a regular season award, for him to be playing at that level, which I think he is right now, and I said it here on this podcast not too long ago, I think he got that trait from Greg Popovich on the Spurs, and he rested up a lot this year, and he he played in moderation this year so that he could be at his full maximum potential here in the playoffs. We're currently seeing that right now. I got Kawhi Leonard to go to the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors, but that damn Greek freak. <laughs> that damn yeah. Greek freak. <laughs> I'd rather see that. It's I'm scary, sorry. It's kind of weird even hearing, thinking that Milwaukee Bucks might be playing for a damn hey, ring this year. But, but that Greek, and they got a team. They, they, made, the, solid they made the perfect pickups. A lot could change in a the year. They made the perfect pickups. They got shooters. And Greek just got a lot better over a year span. And he was already way good last year. But now, oh, my goodness, I haven't seen anything like him. Next up, we're closing it out with our Take an L segment. So keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. Well, 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 we gave you the winning formula on how to write up a street response plan. Shout out to Emily Green. Um, push, push, push the agenda, push the movement. Let it be known. Let it be heard. Get the city to rally behind it and then get a half a million dollars allotted to the street response in the budget plan that was created here in the city of Portland by Mayor Ted Wheeler. Um, we also gave you some of the winning formulas and how to thrive in the NBA playoffs, I guess. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. we gave our takes on it. So, yeah, we gave you some winning formulas there. But now, y'all know what time it is. 
and it ain't Dame time. It's time to see, talk about who took an L this week. Aisha! Oh, you going right into it, huh? <laughs> I just had to do that. Go ahead. Go for it. You got it. Floor is yours. Aisha, Aisha, Aisha. Curry. Aisha Curry. She took an L. <laughs> she took an L. Tell me I, more. Aisha Curry took an L this week, in my opinion, pretty bad. And the reason is because... Well, you got to give them the backstory on what happened. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm about to do right now. The reason she took an L is because Sheena sat up here and uh, participated, went on... Red Jada Table Pinkett, Talk. J yeah. Jada Pinkett Smith Show. Red Table Talk. Knowing that the cameras is rolling, knowing that this will be live to the world, she went on there and said... First of all, Jada Pinkett asked her, how do you feel about your husbands? It was multiple women in the room. It was uh it was uh It was all the Currys. It, it was, was all the Curry, Curry Steph's Curry mom. Women. Yeah, his all the wife Curry women. and then uh Seth's Seth fiance. Curry's fiance. Which, which is, is Doc, Doc Rivers', Rivers daughter. daughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she asked it kind of to everybody. And the mama played it real cool as she would, the wisdom. She said, uh, you know, the very few times that she have ha had to deal with feeling like somebody overstepped it or whatever, she she shut it down right there or had Dale Curry, the father, shut it down right there. Other than that, she was like, you know, she felt good about women wanting her man because she knew where she stood and she know, like, shit, this my man. Like, you better want my man, but it made her feel a certain type of way. Like, that's my man. So I felt that. But on, a, on another note, Aisha said, um, I hate it. In some instances, I, I wanted to straight, I don't know if she said slap someone or something along those lines. And then she proceeded to say over the last 10 years, she's felt insecure because of her lack of attention that she gets from other men. While she sees her significant other, her husband, Steph Curry, get all of this attention from females. That's stupid. That's some stupid, stupid Stupid stuff to say. And the reason I say that is because, for one, if you seeking validation and attention from other men uh, to make you feel a level of security, then it's very contradicting to me as wholesome and family-oriented and about Steph as she comes off. Unless there's an underlying problem that we don't know about where Steph isn't making her feel a certain type of way. Because I feel like with that comment, she opened the floodgates to everybody saying, oh, I heard you looking for attention. Or it's just, I since we've been here at this podcast, I done scrolled my timeline and seen four different memes. Uh, Aisha Curry, wedding day with James Harden pasted over <laughs> Steph's uh, face. Uh, <laughs> it's the play. It was just, it was a bad look for your man. And I think... You know, they, they pretty much got a clean slate as far as I'm concerned or that I know with the media and the public side. They are kind of that picture perfect, which we know nobody is perfect. But I mean, that model citizen type of family, three kids, uh, a husband that's a super superstar in the league. And you're letting the attention that he gets and the lack of that you don't get from other, you know, men affect your level of security i thought that that was a super super big l for not only her but for steph too just for 
what kind of that was just it was stupidity for me and i think that if my girl did that we would we would be having a long long talk because yeah it was wrong on on many on many levels i disagree i disagree why because elaborate we, for one because yes i do agree this isn't even just a women thing i think we all yearn validation of some of some to some extent that we may not necessarily get by that i mean we all want something that we can't have and it, and 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 that doesn't necessarily mean that she wants other men but I'm talking about the attention that, yes, she does see her husband get quite often. It doesn't hurt but to... You can't compare... Because it was almost a comparable. She was saying it in comparison to... No, no, no. The, I disagree. No, what I'm saying is she literally said he gets all this... The question was directed at that. How do you guys feel about your men getting this much attention? And she used that to, to basically say how insecure she is because of the lack of attention she gets no i disagree with that she said I, I that disagree with she that said heartily. it I, I how think, can you disagree with something I, she said can i talk she said it can i talk tell me can i tell you why i disagree <laughs> i disagree because yes i don't think she's jealous i don't think she was comparing herself to him i didn't say I jealous. Think she, no 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 okay when they comparing that's why I, I switched the word up i don't think she was comparing herself to steph curry in that manner i think she was comparing herself to other women by that i mean i'm gonna just be straight up i'm gonna get into my theory bag a little bit but me as a cisgender male a male who just absolutely loves women and women only I think that women are the most beautiful creatures in the entire world. I also think that because of that, that's the easiest thing to be insecure over is beauty. Personally, this is just how I feel. And so when you know that Steph Curry is being approached city to city and we know what we had conversations about how we feel about folks that travel city to city mm -hmm. and play city to city and how easily and how slippery of a slope that could possibly be for them as men. Right. When you know that your man is this guy that's going city to city and they're all all of these other beautiful women out there coming at him throwing themselves at him to me i think that's very easy to be insecure over personally so i don't think she was comparing herself to steph but i think I it was more so of a comparison to other women that's what she was insecure about but i she think didn't. i mean i think she it's all about how we interpret other men it. don't like show her that kind of attention makes her insecure and let me finish what I think is wrong about that is because of I respect Aisha Curry. I respect the role that she plays in that in how she I don't think she's playing a role. So let me rephrase that. I respect the kind of family that they portray to seem to have. And what I mean by that is wholesome, doesn't show too much of her body, cooks, family, support seems very supportive of her man. All of that kind of stuff we would we would appreciate in a woman, correct? So I think with her knowing that her husband is a superstar on the one of the biggest teams of one of the biggest chapters or legacies of a team ever playing basketball that we know men get millions and millions of dollars, cars, clothes, money, fame, whatever you name it is good in the NBA. Of course, that's the kind of attention that he's going to get from women because women care about power and status in a man. They want these 
bragging rights per se. They want to be able to say, oh yeah, I was with Steph Curry. I was at Steph Curry house. I slept with Steph Curry. Steph Curry on my Snapchat. Aisha being the wholesome, wholehearted wife and mother that she is. Nobody's finna be approaching her and showing that same kind of, and, and rightfully so. It's almost a respect thing. Like you respect Steph, you respect who her husband is. No, I'm not getting that Aisha Curry. So I, think I don't think that real, should deal with your insecurity. I think insecurity. that's real easy to say, but a lot harder to live, personally. Especially with Instagram being a thing. And another thing that I think you said that was very, very important early on was the three kids. Because women who have kids and they start to deal with those body changes, and this goes back to the beauty conversation that I was having, right. they start to deal with certain things beyond just him being hit on by several other, I'm sure, beautiful women that are out there. Mm -hmm. That can bring a whole nother psyche and insecurity to them. I've seen it before with, with me personally. But don't you think it, it kind of reveals... And when they do get hit on, they actually tend to be happy about it. Not saying that they're going to... Like, oh, buy, I still got it. It, it, it. We all need... That's what I'm saying. We all need some type of validation. single women. That, that's, that don't that, be that, We all need... No, no, no. That's all women. That's all people. We all seek validation to some extent. So I just don't think it was that uncommon what she said. Like I said, especially somebody who's had kids who, yes, is, is you, I think it happened. She, you know what? You and I both grew up in church. I think it happens in church a lot. We see church girls that are, like you said, very modest and they're tempted. There's a such thing called temptation that exists that are modest, they live right, they're living holy, they live religiously, but they're yet they're surrounded by Instagram models and they're surrounded by fame or surrounded by a lot of toxic shit that exists in this world and you can seek validation from that because I think it exists really in a mega way, in a huge way. So I think but there's, why it's you, more but than why just if you're him in a, being if hit you're on. happily married, which you haven't been married yet, so I'm pretty no, no, sure no. you can't relate to this, which I can't either because I haven't been married. But I'm pretty sure in a marriage, as long as your significant other, like that's who you should care about. This man that's playing for the Warriors with hundreds of millions of dollars that's the validation you should want not from somebody who could ultimately do nothing for you if i'm waking up happy and healthy and with a beautiful family and with a healthy relationship fuck the validation that, of everybody else that's I get, how i that's I how i personally saying. feel i get what you're it's saying it's almost like i get it when you just okay you're trying to level up and yeah we see beauty and boom boom but it's like what like what i do you, said it what before and i said it again easy to say Harder to live. And like going back to what I, I keep going to beauty because that's just kind of my theory. Or that women are the most beautiful creatures in the world, which I think could create more insecurities than anything else. And then another and, problem. And, and he's getting top here. notch. Let's not sit up here and act like. And don't Aisha think he's just getting IG models hey, and listen, strippers though, and whores coming listen, after him either. Don't sit up here and think that Aisha Curry don't get no kind of credit either like it ain't like she just up here getting bashed she gets very much put on a pedestal as well i've seen from commentators to the public like i've seen a lot of people big up aisha curry for being beautiful for sure. and wholesome and all of that kind of stuff so it's like it would be different if she just sat up here and wasn't getting it at all what i'm saying is understand who you're dealing with and what you're dealing with and 
know I that think she does. Don't let that mess with your I think she does. I think she does understand that. I don't think that makes it any easier, though. That's all I'm saying. I just see it being more common than not. And I think that she's receiving a lot of criticism that she shouldn't because it happens. I don't, I don't mind you not agreeing with it or right. I, I, I get it there. But what I'm saying is I think that it's a bit excessive. The criticism that she's seeing right now for this, I think it's a bit excessive because I think it's a lot more common. Um, even like I said, in women especially, I've seen it in mothers too, especially to deal with some insecurities with their confidence, like I said, when it comes to other women. I think she's secure and stuff. I, she may not be as secure as the woman in Miami that might be hitting on stuff that might be that might be something that she would even adore from the outside looking in. I'm saying, right? From Instagram, and Jada from Pinkett going to the say, stadium. She, Jada Pinkett <laughs> did say, I had to step back even with Will and be like, put myself in his shoes sometimes and be like, whoa, whoa, that girl is fun. Yeah, like these women is you got bad. to like, you because me? women are beautiful. It, like it, it, it can be easy to do that because if you don't. And like I said, it's easy to kind of fall off that line of not I just think agreeing being with your with, man. Being married with children, saying that you literally have fallen insecure due to the fact that you don't get I thought enough it was cool. she male said attention. That's that's. I, I, yeah, I thought you, it was cool, so, especially so, on that so platform. On, on and honest, because I listen honest, to Red Table I'm going to let you go to your taking out. But as an honest question, before we wrap up my segment of it, put yourself in a married man's shoes. If... Your wife said that on a platform that big, while you have a platform that big, you have nothing wrong with it still? No. No, I don't. Okay. I don't. Because I would hope, as a married man, since I'm putting myself in those shoes, I would hope we've already had that conversation, my wife and I. So if she goes out and says it publicly, we already have an understanding there that that's the thing and that exists and that's just something else in our marriage that we have to constantly and continuously work on if you're my wife. Like, that, that's, that's deep stuff right there. But um, for me, and we're going to stay on the side of ladies, but my taking nails and hopefully um, I won't, get uh I won't give you all a little bit of toxic masculinity here but I very much may do that charge it to my head not my heart um and although I'm going to give this select group of people an L it's not because I'm too too critical of them it's because I'm putting another woman just on a higher pedestal it's more so what I'm doing but I got to do it anyway mine goes to Instagram models and the reason being damn that's broad it's very broad, but you want to know why I'm saying it? Like, like I said, it's not because of them. It's because Tyra Banks just came out of retirement and was the cover model on the Sports Illustrated swimsuit and edition. Shot on all and of oh my gosh, <laughs> she looked better than that '97 oh cover. Oh my gosh, flawless. Forty-five years old, flawless. I. Say it louder for the people in the back. Listen, flawless. Ooh. Listen, I I just compared that picture to a lot of the models that I generally see on Instagram. And I don't even think there was a comparison. Now, Tyra said she was coming at and coming out and doing that more for a women empowerment thing, more for a um pretty much saying that she knew all she types of women can 
get that validation that we were talking about with Aisha Curry. She was trying to validate for women um, who may not necessarily get that validation, which to me goes against what most of the IG models are. They usually can receive that validation on Instagram because that's what they do and they might do it better than some other women. And so Tyra was being more empowering, but I thought it was a flex flat out. <laughs> I thought it was a flat out flex. And and you know what I liked more? You mentioned, the, uh, what was that? The 97 cover of Sports Illustrated mm -hmm. swimsuit edition that she was on. She was way skinnier. This was but, so, oh but, my God. But that's also a part of what I kind of like about it. And granted, yeah, I would expect her to be way skinnier <laughs> in 97 than she was in 2019. But... The part that really stood out to me about Tyra Banks really was more so her career as a model and the things that she really went through, going through, being turned down and denied by several modeling agencies, um, obviously starting the America's Next Top Model show, signing with modeling agencies, doing work that I don't tend to hear as much about these days because there is the easy out of just being able to post a picture on Instagram. That's more so where I was talking about the IG models because I think the way Tyra came out and flexed on this cover really showed how gracious her career has been. Not even gracious, because I think she went through hoops and loops, but how genuine her career was as a model and how she did go through some of the hard stuff at an early age to get to this point to before be able to start Instagram. and flex the way that she did before Instagram. And to me, the best era of modeling was like the Jet Magazine days and that kind of stuff for me because that's just more so what I grew up on. But even now today... um, like in the media field, for example, like one thing I don't necessarily take pride in what I do on social media, what I post on social media. By that, I mean, um, I think I could be a lot better at it at like marketing, for example. I think I could be a lot better at it. But one thing that I do take pride in is I think there's a lot of people out there that may market better than me, but haven't been able to do certain things that I've been able to do and kind of go through as far as the career is concerned to earn the credentials that I've been able to earn throughout my career via schooling, via internships, via, um, you know, writing for newspaper Similar publications and things too. of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. Like, I feel like there's a lot of people out there that podcast or do the similar work that I do. Um, or claim to do similar work that I do that may show it a lot better on Instagram and Twitter than they can show it on their resume. That's what I'm talking about. I think Tyra Banks built her resume as a model and it led up to this swimsuit edition that we had right here and her being able to come out of retirement and stunt the way that she was able she to stunt. I don't see the same happening for a lot of IG models because they're not going through modeling agencies. They're just getting a photographer, taking nice yeah. pictures, if making Instagram it look aesthetically. Shut down tomorrow, tomorrow exactly. Likes, it's over. Exactly. It's over. I think Tyra is beyond Instagram, Twitter, social media, all of that. And like I said, in my career, I do know and I'm fortunate enough to know if, if like you said, I can't market or promote a podcast or anything else, and I got to go back to print media, which I already kind of do. But <laughs> if I have to kind of go back to that, 
I already have that in my corner. Yeah, I already do that currently. It ain't over with There's a lot of people that can't. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Fine. So that's more so of where I give the IG models a L, really hoping that they learn a lesson from Tyra and her career and how she really went through the modeling industry to have the success that she's having. Um, but on that note, I need to get out of here. Like I said, this leg is shot. <laughs> throbbing. It's throbbing. It's shot. I need to take some more of those 800 ibuprofen. Until <laughs> next though. time. Tell them where to find you, what you got going on, what you got coming up next, all that. D-Boy LTD everywhere. Hopefully the Blazers win because I will be performing tomorrow post-game at the Motor Center on the main stage. So Gotta win. Let's, let's hope for that. And uh, other than that, we got a lot of stuff on the way. Stay tuned, man. And y'all know where to find me, uh, Pounce underscore Sation. Um, also, just search my name in, Devon Pouncey, and I'll be there too. Um, appreciate y'all for listening. Um, we've been getting a lot of support here on the podcast, and we're very, very grateful of it. On that note, we'll leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and, and go, go in. in.